you are listening to Woco Radio Season 2, Episode 9, The Thyroid Part 2. Hey y'all, this is Brooks Vaughn, and as promised, today we are continuing our series on the thyroid gland and thyroid hormones. We, if you've noticed, we're alternating our thyroid series with our boundaries series, and so stay tuned for next week because we're going to talk all about boundaries again with someone who I truly think is very wise and an expert when it comes to setting healthy boundaries, especially in relationships with other people and friendships. So anywho, stay tuned for that. As promised today, we are going to just talk a little bit about thyroid support and quote, natural ways to support your thyroid. I get asked this a lot and patients present a lot with tons of supplements and things that they're trying to help support their thyroid. And so I wanted to cover this because I think it's important to sort of lay a little bit of a groundwork into, you know, the major recommendations when it comes to this and some of the things that we do know. So let's get started. Okay, disclaimer, before we go any further... There is not a copious, abundant amount of information slash evidence-based, good clinical data when it comes to treating the thyroid without medication. So you need to know that the recommendations that I'm going to make today are in conjunction with treatment if it has been deemed necessary because right now, especially for hypothyroidism, which is what I'm going to focus on again today, like we focused on last week, it's way more common than hyperthyroidism, um, is medication. And so, you know, the, the, things that I'm going to talk about are really and truly just synthesized from common sense and what we do know about thyroid disorder and the thyroid um, and our endocrine system and general safe recommendations that I think can be pretty, you know, well tolerated and are worth considering if you have a thyroid disorder or if you're treating a patient with a thyroid disorder. Um, I will say this, you know, it's really, I think patients get really frustrated when they're diagnosed with a thyroid disorder and they're just handed a prescription and they're they're told to come back, you know, in three months or whatever for uh, a TSH and that's that's all they're given. I think that as providers, we really should pay our, um, do, do our patients the service of trying to some degree to explain what is going on with their thyroid, or you can, honestly, you can direct them to this podcast, to this series, because I think it can be helpful and it's hard to do in a 10 minute visit. I tell you what, I have been there and 10 minute visits are, can't do a whole lot. (laughs) So anyway, Um, but I do think that it is important to try to explain, you know, what is going on with a thyroid disorder if a patient has a thyroid disorder or if they have subclinical hypothyroidism. And I also think that it is important to at least make some, 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 
general recommendations to lifestyle and maybe dietary and maybe even supplementary um, methods of modifications to our patients because patients really want to, I, I think in my experience, especially women, especially millennials, they really want to take charge of their health and they really want to go beyond just medicine. So anyway, that's my two cents on that. I will say this right now, the standard of treatment for hypothyroidism is medication. And I personally feel very strongly like if it has been deemed necessary for you to undergo treatment for a thyroid disorder with medication, that it is important that you actually adhere to that and you take that medication because what we don't want to happen is a sequelae of additional issues to arise because your thyroid is left untreated and because there is really very little um, evidence-based recommendations aside from treating medic with medication, and it's a lot harder to um, you know to to know what you're getting when you're treating with supplements because they're not FDA regulated. So, really quickly before we dive into some of these recommendations, I do want to make a distinction in regards to medication because I think this is something a lot of patients look at me when I tell them this and they're like, really? I did not know that. So, there are two basic um, medications that are most commonly used. Well, two types, I guess I could say. There's a synthetic version. And then there's a, quote, natural version of thyroid medications. The synthetic is a um, synthetic form of T4 um, or levothyroxine. The brand name is Synthroid. It is created in a lab. It's identical to what the human thyroid gland makes. The, quote, more natural, which is what most patients, a lot of patients just want something more natural. But here's what I explained to them. Um, armor, which is the more natural, which can be a great option for a lot of patients. Uh, there have been some substantial studies that have shown that patients actually, some patients may prefer armor thyroid um, medication in as opposed to Synthroid or Levothyroxine. But Armour, Armour Thyroid, these are medication tablets, is actually derived from dehydrated pig thyroid glands. Okay? So, just so you know, that is where Armour comes from. It comes from a pig's thyroid gland. It's dehydrated, processed for human consumption. Um, and that's what we, that, those are the two medications that are typically available, two types of medications that are typically available for treatment of the, the thyroid. And I will say, this is interesting. I find this very interesting. I think there's probably some psychology actually behind this when when I really kind of think about it. Um, but there's actually a study done. It was called desiccated thyroid extract, which is armor, um, or nature thyroid, same kind of thing, versus, and a lot of people think, I, I think there's just a maybe a misconception with that. Nature thyroid is not derived from plants, and a lot of patients think that. Um, 
But anywho, the study was called desiccated thyroid extract versus levothyroxine in the treatment of hypothyroidism. And this was a study of 70 patients who had hypothyroidism and they were treated with either desiccated thyroid extract, which is the armor or nature thyroid from pig hormone, from pig thyroid, or levothyroxine. And they were treated for 12 weeks, followed by a switch to the other option for another 16 weeks. The participants were blinded during both phases, which is nice because we, you know, it, they didn't know which type of pill that they received. So that is important to note. But after each treatment period, Patients were weighed, they had their blood tests, they underwent psychometric testing, and they were asked which therapy they preferred. And the researchers found that 49% of patients preferred the desiccated thyroid extract. And... Um, 19% preferred levothyroxine and 23% had no preference. So that is kind of interesting. Um, but what also was interesting is there was no difference in psychometric testing, meaning, um, you know, their mental health, their cognition, um, their, or their thyroid hormones. So both drugs actually normalized abnormal thyroid blood tests equally. So they were very equivalent. Um, so my, my recommendation to patients is, you know, I certainly don't think that it's wrong to do levothyroxine or Synthroid versus doing armor. I have no problem with armor. I just think it's worth finding one that you like and that you can tolerate and that you um, can handle. Anywho, let's move on. Okay, let's jump right into the one that I know y'all want to hear about, and that is supplements. So here's the thing about supplements, and this is something in my, I've seen in my practice. I know because I've done it myself. I have a ton of friends and family who do this too, but one of the first things that we reach for if we have some sort of health concern or we want to support our immune system or our fertility or our digestion or, you know, our sleep is a supplement. And y'all know it. Part of that has a lot to do with marketing and our culture, but part of that has a lot to do with the fact that we as patients, you as patients, want to play an active role in our healthcare. And a lot of times, women especially don't love the idea of just taking a prescription drug. They would much rather take something that's, quote, natural um, and, quote, safer than a prescription. And so thyroid is something that I actually thyroid support supplements are something that I see a lot of patients reach for. And I really want to um, kind of dive into this a little bit because we have to be so, so careful when it comes to supplementation. And I want you to hear me say this because I believe firmly that supplements, vitamins, minerals can be excellent when they are used correctly and appropriately and for specific things. Um, for instance, vitamin D deficiency is very common, especially in our country, and it can be it can be detrimental for people. It can make people feel really bad. It can, um, you know, obviously with 
COVID-19. We we want immune support and we want to make sure our immune systems are healthy and vitamin D deficiency actually has been proven, has been shown to lower the immune system. So I think vitamin D supplementation can be excellent and important for a lot of patients. Prenatal vitamins, another example, very important and excellent for patients who are trying to conceive and patients who are pregnant. PCOS patients who... Um, have known specific hormonal imbalances often benefit from very targeted supplementation under the care of someone who is specialized in women's health and has a a very good understanding of hormone and hormone health. Um, I could go on and on, but when it comes to supplementation, the thing about it, y'all have heard me say this over and over again, Supplements, vitamins, and minerals are not FDA regulated. And so we can't necessarily ensure the quality, the purity, the dosage that we're taking. You are trusting the manufacturer and the company that you are getting that supplement from. And they are not all created equally. Um, So this is a side note. One thing that I do recommend for my any patient or friend or family member who asks me about supplement recommendations is that if you're going to take a supplement, you want to look for one of three seals. One is called um, NSF. The other is called Consumer Labs. And the other is called U.S. Pharmacopeia. One of those three indicates that this product, this manufacturer, this company has undergone more rigorous testing, scrutiny to ensure the quality, the safety, the efficacy, the purity, the dosage of their product. And that just gives me a lot more confidence in what I'm putting in my body if they have one of those seals. And there are so many very affordable um, supplements that have that seal. So you want to look for that. But when it comes to thyroid supplementation, oh man, It makes me very nervous, and here is why. So with thyroid supplementation, just a general like overarching thyroid support supplement, again, like I said, we we don't know for sure what we're getting all the time, and I actually recently read an article um, in what's called the Clinical Thyroidology for the Public. publication by American Thyroid Association. And it looked at basically thyroid supplements, thyroid support supplements, and um, looked at the amount of thyroid hormone in these, quote, thyroid support supplements. And what it found, and I'll, I will, I'm going to, I pulled up the article. I want to read this to you. It, it, and they they reiterate what I just said. Dietary supplements, by law, have little or no regulation by the FDA and are widely used in the United States. Um, many of these supplements promote things such as thyroid support to maintain thyroid help and to help the th- thyroid health and to help the thyroid function better. So what they did in a study of 10 thyroid supplements that um, was looked at for this publication. They looked at these 10 thyroid health supplements. 
And what they found on the label of five of these herbal thyroid health supplements was they didn't disclose any thyroid content. The other five indicated that they contained raw thyroid tissue or powder from a beef source. So they contained thyroid tissue or thyroid powder from some source of beef. Nine out of those 10 products. Now remember, five did not label that they had any sort of thyroid hormone in them, but they nine out of 10 actually had T3 and five out of the 10 had T4. A total of nine out of the 10 had beef extract. Anyway, I could keep going. What they found though was that these, all of these, all 10 of these supplements contained thyroid hormone in in a significant dosage that could actually cause elevated thyroid hormones in the blood of a human and symptoms of hypothyroidism as well as something called thyrotoxicosis. So thyrotoxicosis is basically signs and symptoms that result from excessive amounts of thyroid hormone. And what can happen is it could lead, so these supplements could potentially lead to hyperthyroidism. Um, They could actually even lead to arrhythmias with the heart and bone loss. And so here's the thing about the supplementation of thyroid support um, or of thyroid support supplements to support our thyroid, they really can contain very significant doses of T3, T4, and some even had T2. Um, We find that they were derived, these thyroid hormones were actually derived not from plants, but from beef. And they have such a potential to cause more damage than good. And what's interesting is they're not regulated. So we don't know, you know, you don't really know what you're getting. And so I will be very honest when I say I don't recommend taking thyroid support (laughs) supplementation supplements because you can do much more harm than good. Even when you're trying to do something healthy and natural, it can be bad. So anyway, oh, oh yeah, one other thing really fast. In addition to this, these thyroid support supplements that were evaluated for product, um, for ingredient content, actually had very high amounts of iodine. And we know that worldwide, the leading cause of thyroid disease is um, iodine deficiency, but that is not the case in the U.S. Iodine deficiency is very rare in the U.S. And in fact, too much iodine can actually <laughs> lead to hypothyroidism too, and it can actually lead to thyroid disease. And so again, point is when it comes to supplementation, unless it's for a targeted reason that has been honestly diagnosed, clarified by your provider, whether that be, you know, I'm I'm not against naturopaths. I'm not against integrative um, medical providers at all. But I would really, really recommend that you're under the care of someone who has evaluated you and isn't just shooting at the hip, giving you something that is overarching when we really don't know what we're trying to target. Capiche? <laughs> okay.
Okay, so let's get to some things that you can do. And this is my my absolute favorite one to talk about, and that is dietary intervention. That is our diet and nutrition. I am a firm believer in food as medicine, and I think food has so many healing powers, and it's so much safer than a concentrated supplement. And it it can easily be done. It's a little takes a little more work than just popping a supplement. Um, but I truly feel much more comfortable making dietary recommendations to my patients um, versus, you know, saying take this herbal or take this supplement unless I know that we're targeting a specific concern. So here's the thing. There really are not any studies to determine the role of a particular diet in patients with Hashimoto's, um, which is the autoimmune most common form of hypothyroidism or just hypothyroidism in general. Um, now, if iodine deficiency is, in, you know, is concluded as the cause of hypothyroidism, obviously replacing with iodine um, is important. But in particular, though, in Hashimoto's patients or patients with the most common form of thyroid disease, gluten-free and paleo diets are commonly recommended. And so is the avoidance of something called goitrogenic foods, which we'll talk about briefly in just a second. Um, so here's here's one reason why. So celiac disease or, or celiac disease coexists with Hashimoto's thyroiditis in a significant number of patients. So this is interesting, but up to about 5% of patients who have Hashimoto's thyroiditis have celiac disease. But up to 30% of patients who have celiacs will actually develop autoimmune thyroid disease um, in the future. So I find that very interesting. Um, a lot of patients who have autoimmune thyroid disease will actually present with some subclinical celiac disease symptoms. I find that a lot of my, my thyroid patients have GI issues. And so there are really no guidelines to help us you know, decide how often to test and who to test and all of those things. But in general, what I do, what I think is is a great um, kind of standard of care is to screen any patient with a thyroid disorder for um, GI issues and asking, you know, asking those patients, are you having any gastrointestinal symptoms? Are you have an irritable bowel? Um, do you have uh, abdominal pain? Do you have bloating and gas, trouble with your bowel movements? Um, do you have diarrhea and then constipation or vice versa? Um, and if, if GI symptoms are present, it's also important to assess iron, folate, or for vitamin B12 deficiency. Um, and a lot of patients also have chronic fatigue. And so we just want to be very holistic in our approach. Um, I, I sound like I'm lecturing um, <laughs> at a med school or a nursing program, but if you're a patient, you want to think about those things too. What's really interesting though is in patients with biopsy-proven celiac disease, when they eliminated gluten from their diet 
they actually, studies showed that they had improved absorption, including that of thyroid hormone. They had elimination or a decrease in thyroid antibodies, and they had a potential reversal of subclinical hypothyroidism. How cool is that? So yes, you know, this is in biopsy-proven celiac disease patients. What I personally do in my patients who have thyroid disease who present with also GI symptoms, a lot of times I will, um, you know, try to refer them out to a gastroenterologist that can take months to get in with. So a lot of times I will recommend, hey, you know what? I don't think it's going to hurt to eliminate gluten from your diet um, for, you know, a couple of months and just see, do an elimination diet and see how you feel. See if you notice an improvement in your GI symptoms. See if you notice an improvement in your energy levels and your mood because oftentimes patients really, really, really feel a lot better. Um, another thing we call it an anti-inflammatory diet. So in patients with autoimmune thyroid disorder or Hashimoto's, um, we know that that is actually an inflammatory autoimmune condition characterized by high oxidative stress. And so it's interesting, but the thought is there are no, again, no clinical studies on the effect of an anti-inflammatory diet or the inclusion or exclusion of certain foods on the course of Hashimoto's or or hypothyroidism. But in my experience, patients who really eliminate inflammatory foods, such as um, obviously processed foods, you know, fried foods, um, lots of alcohol, particularly beer, um, gluten, dairy, really actually do feel better. So a lot of times I will recommend, hey, you know what? It's it's not going to hurt for three months to eat an anti-inflammatory diet. Um, paleo is another one that is often tried or recommended to thyroid patients. Um, paleo diet, in my opinion, it's, it's really in general one that avoids processed foods, legumes, um, peanuts and grains. And, and so there's really no clinical data to support this. Um, but some patients really do feel better by following a paleo diet, especially those who suffer from glucose intolerance. Um, I want to mention this really quickly before we move on, but a goitrogen, which is something I recommended or I talked about earlier, is actually a food substance that blocks thyroid hormone synthesis and can make um, iodine deficiency worse, which is really interesting. Um, but goitrogens, particularly, we I call them cruciferous veggies, um, like, you know, all the things I love, which are excellent for your hormone support, um, broccoli, Brussels, cauliflower, those sorts of things, soy, um, you know, there's thought that it might impact thyroid hormone synthesis, but there's no evidence proving this. And so one of the recommendations that I have read and that I've seen and I think is safe to recommend to patients is... Um, if you have a thyroid disorder, lo- limit your soy intake 
for a couple of months. And if you eat cruciferous veggies, which I think are excellent for our health, you just want to make sure you're cooking them and not eating them raw. Some evidence shows that that can be helpful. But you know, the most important thing with diet and nutrition is that we are repairing and supporting our gut, particularly with fiber-rich foods and lots of nutrients. And so that includes, I do recommend making sure you're in, you're eating plenty of probiotics. Um, you're eating lots of fiber that is obviously largely supplied in a plant-based, a mostly plant-based diet. Um, I'm going to put a shameless plug in here for the Gut Health MD and a book that he wrote recently called Fiber Fueled. If you have not, go follow him on Instagram. It's Dr. B. Um, and buy his book on Amazon because it will change the way you think about your gut. A lot of people say, well, what does my gut have to do with my thyroid? Girl, it has everything to do with your thyroid. Our gut is so central to our overall health. It is crazy how much of a difference it makes in everything, every aspect of our health, including our thyroid, when we optimize and we heal our gut and we support it with healthy, healthy foods. So that's kind of my two cents on that. I will tell you this. I I, I just, I think the number one thing that you can do with any autoimmune disorder particularly Hashimoto's or just hypothyroidism in general, is to follow a healthy diet, a healthy lifestyle, but particularly with what you eat. There are some other things that I do recommend. I'm going to go through those kind of quickly. I really wanted to make that point more than anything because I think if you're looking for something substantial that you can do, start with your diet. If you want to, you can always DM me and ask for specifics that I may not have time to cover today. Moving right along. So the next thing that I do recommend to my thyroid patients is that they really try to even make small changes to lower toxicity or lower their exposure to toxic chemicals that are endocrine disrupting, particularly BPA. Y'all know I think we can all get on board with the fact that BPA is bad for us. (laughs) MDs and naturopaths alike have jumped on that train, and I love it, and I'm here for it. But it is important, I think, to note that even small changes, you know, we can't, we can't completely eliminate our plastic exposure or our, our toxic chemical exposure just because of everyday life, but we can do a great, um, we can make a great impact on that. And, you know, I just say little things like switching from a Keurig to a French press that is glass or stainless steel, switching from, um, you know, when you drink your coffee, if you order your coffee from Starbucks or my favorite Jittery Joe's, take that plastic top off. So the heat, you know, as your coffee's coming through the top, the heat, in conjunction with the BPA from the plastic, isn't getting into your system. Um, Storing your food in glass. Those are all great ways to lower your exposure to endocrine disrupting chemicals. Being careful with the perfumes that you wear. um, You know, those sorts of things I do think can be very beneficial. And small changes make such a difference. So there's that. The other thing I wanted to talk about is stress reduction and exercise. You know, 
Stress has been postulated as a risk factor for the development of especially autoimmune thyroid disease. It hasn't been proven with substantial studies. Like I said earlier, a lot of this hasn't, but it is something that I personally have seen in practice. Patients who have undergone, you know, seasons of just chronic heavy stress present with autoimmune symptoms and with, you know, all kinds of things. And I do think that there is something to it. You think about what chronic stress does to our body. It causes oxidative stress. Our cortisol levels go up. Our immune system, you know, is impacted. There's so many things that stress, especially chronic stress, does to our body that I feel very confident that there has to be some association, and I'm sure somebody's going to prove it someday. <laughs> so that being said, I really recommend patients, and here's the thing, patients with thyroid disease, thyroid disease can cause stress and vice versa. I mean, it, it can be a cycle, but I really recommend getting a hold on stress levels by exercising. There's so many benefits of gen- of regular exercise for our immune system and for our hormones and for, you know, our cardiovascular system, all of those things. But it also really plays a role in our mental health. And so exercising regularly, I recommend at least three days a week, preferably more than that. Um, you know, doing things like yoga and walking even can be very beneficial. Seeing a counselor, if you are struggling with symptoms of depression, which is also very, very common in women with a thyroid disorder, making sure that you're talking to your provider about that and getting on top of it and treating it, whether that be with medication or whether that be with cognitive behavioral therapy, whether that be with, you know, Looking also at underlying deficiencies, especially in vitamin D, those are things that are important to look at. Um, and so, yeah, get a, get a hold of stress. The other thing is sleep. I definitely recommend making sure that you are getting plenty of sleep seven to nine hours a night when you support your sleep cycle and you have a regular bedtime and you have a relaxing nighttime routine that works for you. It really can ease your mind. Circadian rhythms are important in hormone function and hormone balance. So sleep is a big one. The other thing I wanted to mention before I close out um, that I just, I kind of skipped over when I was talking about supplements and, and diet is vitamin D. I thought about that with mental health. So there have been some studies that have found a relative vitamin D deficiency in adults with autoimmune thyroiditis or Hashimoto's and um, and actually issues polymorphisms in their vitamin D receptor gene. And so what's interesting is other studies have not found an association between low vitamin D and autoimmune thyroid disease. And um, there's not really a lot of data to show the effects of vitamin D on Hashimoto's. But here's the thing with vitamin D. Low vitamin D levels play such a role in our mood and um, our immune, we know they play, it plays a role in our immune system. So I personally do recommend getting your vitamin D levels checked. If they're low, take a supplement, um, get a little bit of sunlight, try to incorporate vitamin D in your foods, kind of hard to do. Um, 
because our body really synthesizes vitamin D from sunlight. And so, you know, aside from getting sun, which we don't recommend a ton of, supplementation is actually very beneficial. All right, y'all, I am running out of time. We are going to end on that. I hope that was helpful. Um, We're going to talk about reproduction and the thyroid in our third episode of this series, and that probably will conclude it unless y'all DM me or email me and say, cover this too. Um, I hope this was helpful. If you have questions, you can always email me at Brooks at the Women's Health Company. You can always um, follow us on Instagram at the Women's Health Company, and I'm at Vaughn underscore NP. That's my personal account. You can find pictures of my dog Riggin, some skincare tips, and some women's health stuff, and of course, what I'm learning with Jesus. Okay, friends, I hope y'all enjoyed that. Stay tuned for next week when we're back talking about boundaries, and then we will continue our thyroid series um, with part three the following week. If you need anything, you like I said, you know where to find us. Please be sure and subscribe and rate our podcast and share it with all your friends. If you are just interested in a little bit more and connecting with us, we would love, 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 love for you to join our email list because don't worry, we don't spam you. It's all good stuff. We take things a little bit deeper than we do on Instagram and offer some little surprise gifts and all sorts of good things. So go to our website, thewomenshealthcompany.com, scroll to the bottom, give us your name and your email, and we'll make sure that you are subscribed. All right, be well, talk soon.